0: Thank you for joining us for this issue of the Journal of Parenteral and Enteral Nutrition podcast. My name is Dr. Kelly Tappenden. I'm the Editor-in-Chief of the Journal of Parenteral and Enteral Nutrition and the Human Nutrition Endowed Professor at the University of Illinois at Urbana. I'm here today with Dr. Bodil Larson, who is the pediatric nutrition research specialist at Alberta Health Services and the University of Alberta. Welcome, Dr. Larson. Thank you. We're going to discuss your paper that's appearing in the February 2015 issue of JPN, entitled "Epidemiology of Interruptions to Nutrition Support in Critically Ill Children in the Pediatric Intensive Care Unit." Now Dr. Larson, you have a clear passion for pediatric nutrition support. It's very easy to see that from your body of work. But tell us, why did you conduct this specific study? What was your motivation?
1: My primary motivation or my goal is always to nourish critically ill children as best we can. But this initiative was initiated by the Pediatric International Nutrition Survey done by Nellish Mehta, who all of us know in pediatrics. And I just couldn't accept our performance in that paper, given that we had dietitians in our pediatric intensive care units. So I doubted how poorly we ranked in these ratings. And so we decided to prospectively look at our weaknesses based on that report.
0: Very good. So a challenge to you and your colleagues within your unit then. Tell us how you looked at this prospectively then. What was your methodology?
1: Our methodology was that we... Just wanted to gather in a prospect manner daily visits to the PICU by a study team and record all of the nutrition delivery, what type of nutrition was given, the frequency, the duration, the causes of the stops and starts and just to describe the population in a three-month period.
0: Uh, And you did find some important reasons why nutrient infusion was less than it should be. Could you share with us your results?
1: We could. The major finding uh, of the paper was that the surgical kids were NPO for the longest periods of time and then the next problem was extubation. Forty-two percent of the time our children were in PICU. they spent NPO and the biggest reasons were surgery and intubation-extubation.
0: Okay, so how does that compare then with what Dr. Mehta published in his survey?
1: It compares well. What he describes in his survey is actually what was happening in our unit, and so it confirmed that this is a major problem in TICs across Canada for sure and the world according to his study.
0: So much to your discontent, I'm sure, if you were hoping to show that it wasn't as bad as it was.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, you know, the worst part of it was it was the youngest children that were NPO for the longest, and that just may reflect that many PICUs are 40 to 50 percent kids less than six months old.
0: Yeah, I noticed that in your results, and that is concerning, isn't it, Given the nutrient density issues that those youngest ones are going to have. Uh, with these data in mind and these etiologies for reduced infusions, what is your best advice for other practitioners within, within pediatric ICUs?
1: I can tell you what we did because of this, and my best advice is to initiate a safe feeding algorithm and empower. So we initiated a nurse-driven PICU feeding algorithm with uh, safety features built in with it and we did a massive education program and we got consensus amongst intensivists whereby child or teenagers admitted to pediatric intensive care and the nurse doesn't feel that they would be fed anything within 12 hours they would insert an NG tube right away and start feeds according to the algorithm. And then within that is based several criteria where it's not safe to feed. And then along with that, we had NPO times for tests and procedure. And as you know, NPO times are traditionally NPO at midnight. We stopped that, massively educated everyone. And you know, it's only two hours for clear fluids, four hours for breast milk, six hours for formula and light meals, and then eight hours for fatty meals. So we dramatically reduced the NPO times when kids were going for procedures like PIC lines or for post or pre-extubation. So that was a huge one. So a feeding algorithm is an absolute must and if you notice, we did very poorly in the Pediatric International Survey, 42% of our sister sites had algorithms. We didn't have one. And actually we recently published a questionnaire to all PICUs in Canada and 68% of PICUs in Canada don't have an algorithm either. That's the most important thing. The second thing that we need to uh, figure out is do we make a difference in the hospital outcomes like length of stay, wound healing, flexibility afterwards, the very prominent um, malnutrition definitions that j published. We're all concerned about those, but we need to walk the talk and show that these algorithms make a difference and that feeding does make a difference in the long term. We haven't done that in black and white yet. And the third thing we need to know really well is we need to have an accurate concept of energy prescriptions. So 10 years ago, we grossly overfed intensive care unit children and neonates. We now, through the last 10 years, have got a clearer handle by the use of indirect calorimetry that these kids probably only need two-thirds BMR and sometimes more. So we have also implemented indirect calorimetry as a standard of care in our PICUs. So that's where we're going. And then hopefully in two years, we can do a before and after and show that we've dramatically decreased NPO times. And by then, hopefully, we'll have shown outcomes as well.
0: Yeah, that was just going to be my question if you've been able to prospectively look at the changes that your algorithm introduced. You know, so I think your survey of Canadian units is very interesting showing that that you were not unique with the lack of an algorithm. Are you using a published algorithm that you could recommend to other PICUs that may not have something in place or what could you refer another group to?
1: That's an excellent question. We did a literature search and there's three or four algorithms nationally and internationally that we found and the best one we found was from the Netherlands. And I can't give you that reference off the top of my head but because this is a cardiovascular center of excellence and our population is somewhat different. We chose to develop our own based on those. So very similar but just kind of different take on it because of our population.
0: Very good. Thank you so much for the contribution uh, that you've made regarding pediatric nutrition support. And for our listeners, please do go and see the paper in the February 2015 issue of JPEN. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you.